Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We are back after a little break, the international break, giving us a bit of time off, which I think was much needed after the trials and tribulations we've all been through with the uh, Manchester United result and fallout from that game. Here to discuss the Bournemouth game, though, coming up this weekend, we have Sammy. How are you going? Good. Bournemouth is better than yeah. I, I don't want to discuss the other the other stuff anymore. I'm over <laughs> it. I've left that behind me. So yeah, let's let's yeah, let's let's dive in. I was about to say let's go Bournemouth, but I don't want to say that. Go. No, let's let's go and talk about Bournemouth. Good idea. And Elton, how are we going? Yep. Hi Jack. Hi Sam. Hello everyone. Good to be here. So I mean, as you said, Sammy, let's sort of dive straight into it. Um, it's been a, an interesting little period. We've had a bit of time off after the international break. A um, couple of Fulham players in action over that break as well. We saw Polina playing for Portugal and kind of establishing himself as potentially their starting midfielder for some time going forwards. Um, Robinson and Ream out uh, with the US squad as well. Uh, Lukic and Mitro both playing for Serbia and getting some good results. So um, a, a Fairly quiet little period, but obviously it was overshadowed by what happened in that Man United game, and that's sort of been the talk of the town um, across kind of the whole of the Premier League over the last few weeks. So I think it, it's something we'll sort of come to a little bit when we talk about um, our potential lineup, but we, we don't want to give it um, too much more, especially as it's still sort of hanging in the, in the air at the moment. We're waiting for the outcomes from the FA. They've obviously released a couple of statements recently. Um, they released another one about Marco Silva, who made comments in the press conference saying that he made, um, I can't remember the exact wording, don't really care that much at this point now anymore. Um, <laughs> he, he made what I think were factual statements about Chris Kavanagh and his performance throughout the season, um, uh, but it looks like he'll be sanctioned for that as well. So um, let's actually look at this game, though. So Saturday, 3 p.m. kickoff in the UK the 10pm kickoff over here in Perth, Western Australia, 1am for the East Coast. Uh, it's the last late night game for you Australian fans over in New South Wales, Victoria. Uh, the so Daylight Savings clicks over almost immediately after this game finishes, actually. So those 3pm kickoffs are going to become midnight kickoffs. And we were just talking about before, Sammy, how much of a difference does that make? I know um, those 1am kickoffs finishing at like 3 in the morning is pretty rough. So that extra yeah. hour seems to be uh, quite important at this stage of the year. Oh, it's everything. Like genuinely, it's. I was. I mean, I was saying before that, um, before we went live, just when you, whether it's a good game or a bad game, finishing up a game about three, four a.m. I don't really have a sense of what happened. Like, um, uh, like the elation that I can feel can kind of blur into a bit of hysteria, and the. I get very existential when we lose. Sometimes I almost like I like blasphemous as it is. Sometimes I almost prefer a draw just because if it's if it's if I'm going to bed on a high, I can't really sleep. And if I'm going to bed after a crushing defeat, I kind of just go to bed and then I just get real kind of deep in my thoughts and not like a healthy way. And sometimes when it's like a draw, I remember like Wolves was a draw. Remember we drew against like Wolves like nil nil and I was like, okay, I can I can get, I can I can deal with that. That's, that's my perspective, Sam. Though. Answer that's and that's why we like having you on this podcast, Sam. <laughs> exactly for, for yeah, like, those kind of insights that you don't get this anywhere no else. sense whatsoever. 
I, I agree. I agree. That's why we have you on every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's not because we're family or anything. That's the yeah. It's, <laughs> that's that's what. That's I mean, that's another. That's another factor. We just want the weird stuff, though. Let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> Dad, I'll, I'll hand over to you. Let's have a look at the last five fixtures um, for each of these sides. Obviously, we know Fulham um, on what could be described as a pretty poor run at the moment. Um, if you look at the last five fixtures for us, the 3-1 loss to Man United, um, the absolute drubbing at the hands of Arsenal, 3-0 doesn't even tell the tale there. Uh, a 3-2 loss against Brentford, a 2-0 win in the FA Cup against Leeds, and then the one-all draw with Wolves. Um, Dad, do you think those results are a fair reflection of how Fulham are actually performing at the moment? The Arsenal game was clearly the very low point, which I don't know if you want to call it a wake-up call, but I don't think we need to dwell on it too much because truly we we, we were fortunate enough to have our very best starting lineup out against Man United. And um, despite what happened, we were sensational and we were the side that we know we can be. Um, so I, I'm not really that concerned about those other four fixtures or the three of the four fixtures that went before that game because we know... We had Polina out. We had Mitro out for some of it. We had some patchy form. And it was it, it was just a, a bit of a bleak patch. I think we've turned that round. And, and, you know, for the first 72 minutes, I think we were sailing on and dreaming that this is truly a turnaround. And now, yeah. we face, now we face the further challenge to, to actually come back off the ropes and pick up that momentum, um, having a couple of fairly sizable setbacks to deal with, and 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 still a lot of uncertainty. We don't even know where we are yet. Uh, but but I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it because I think, you know what I think, I think there's a, a, a kind of a, a a round sense now that. We are. We have been in for some fairly harsh treatment, in the media at least. We're predicting some pretty, pretty harsh and brutal treatment from the FA, and I think whatever is needed, what was needed to focus the mind, I think we've got plenty of ammunition and plenty of material to work on there. Fair enough. A classic I love, I love how you, there. Yeah, oh. I was about to say, I love how you just covered like three points in the space of just one question. It's great. This is good. We've been a, been away for a couple, well, a, a week, and all it's all just coming flooding back now. we got Sam going existential and Dad sort of running around in circles. It's perfect. Um, I mean, it's why it's a, it's a, this is now. a proper podcast. Um, yeah. People like to drink with me. The, <laughs> yeah. No, look, I, I, I 100% agree. I think um, the, the Man United game, uh, uh, the Arsenal game, we got absolutely obliterated. It could have been 7-0, and I think we would have all walked away and gone, yep, fair enough. Um, and then the way we came out against Man United in those first 70-odd minutes was really promising. And if we can take some of that forward, I, I think this sort of last five form that we're looking at here gets completely flipped around because I think with the runner games we've got coming up, 
and the the way we played kind of played man united off the park for 70 odd minutes um you'd expect to see a lot more green in our next five fixtures with 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 results like that and and with performances like that let's jump across and have a look at bournemouth they they're a very interesting little last five form here they they haven't been in the fa cup or the carling cup for a while now so they haven't had um other fixtures like most of the teams we've been playing against, it's all league fixtures for, for Bournemouth. Um, a 3 0 loss to bottom of the league, Southampton, was really disappointing for them. And then a 1 0 win against Liverpool. Um, they lost to Arsenal 3 2. I think that was the 97th minute winner from Arsenal in that game. Um, they got comfortably beaten by Man City 4 1. And then they beat Wolves, who we know are a half decent side, 1 0. Um, Sammy, looking at that, do you find it hard to predict how we're going to actually go against this Bournemouth team? I mean, I'm quite optimistic about it. I don't. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I never really like saying that there's good or bad sides in the Premier League because they're all really good sides. Let's face it. But I do think that um, Bournemouth are on the bottom end and losing three nil to Southampton, who I really don't rate. Um, again, sorry, Southampton fans. But um, yeah, I think I think that one nil win over Liverpool is a bit of an anomaly. Um, it was it, like again, I don't I don't want to I don't want to criticize the teams too much because they're way more athletic than I'll ever be in my entire life. But <laughs> I think um, uh, well, like in terms of like well rounded sides, we definitely have a lot more to offer. Even missing a Mitrovic and and a, and a William as well. Like yeah, they. The only the only thing I will say about them is they're they're in a relegation scrap, and I think that does count for a lot. So they are gonna like come out like guns blaring because they kind of need to. Because realistically, in their brain, they'll be thinking, "Ah, oh, Fulham will be difficult, but there'll be a game that we could win if we really throw everything at it." But mm. I, I genuinely I don't think they're good enough. Like, there I said it. I don't think they're good enough. Well, let's take a look at the current league table because, as you mentioned, they are in a relegation battle. And this is uh, – it's its lining up to be a relegation fight for the ages. We've basically uh, – on average That's across so the board, then we've got 10 – 10, somewhere between 10 and 12 games left for most of these teams. Um, if we look at the fact that Crystal Palace, currently sitting in 12th, are only mm. four points ahead of Southampton, who are sitting bottom – it's it's mind-boggling. The fact that I, all teams yeah. who are currently in the bottom three can jump out of the bottom three uh, and the team who are currently 14th can literally finish, be, be bottom at the end of this weekend, it's it's one of the tightest relegation battles we've seen in a very long time. And I, I for one, am just incredibly glad that Fulham are nowhere near this. Yeah. The other thing that like, it says to me is that um, the the threshold for staying up this year is going to be a lot lower than it previously has been. I think we're mm. re realistically going to see teams staying up with about 35 points um, because there's just no way that all these teams are going to keep picking up points on a regular basis. If you look at that, they're, they're all sort of looking at roughly a point a game so far. So, mm. um, uh, you know, it's it's going to be really tight down below. So, Dad, I'll, I'll pose this question to you because it's it's an interesting one and it, it's kind of tough to answer. Um, a, a few pundits have, have sort of said that maybe Fulham's recent results have been from 
stemming from the fact that there's nothing really to play for for Fulham at the moment. If, if you look at the top end of the table, we're probably a little way back from the European race now. Um, we Liverpool had all those games in hand. Brighton and Brentford have been playing really well. Chelsea, uh, not Chelsea, um, Newcastle obviously pushing forward, same as Tottenham as well. You know, we, we're possibly looking at a best finish of seventh, but realistically eighth. Um, and maybe that's a reason why Fulham's res- form has sort of fallen away in recent weeks. Do you think it's actually quite tough, though, for Fulham to be playing these teams who are in a relegation scrap where at this stage of the season with 10 games to go, three points is just so important for any team in the bottom half of the table because it's it's literally life or death at this point. Do you think that makes it harder to play these teams who are in this relegation scrap because they just have so much more to play for than Fulham do? Interesting question. Um, <laughs> but I think I think to your first part of the question, you know, is Fulham's recent malaise, if I can call it that, this sort of drifting in the wilderness of, you know, February, March, is that down to the fact that we've lost ambition? I, I don't think so. If you look at our run-in, we've actually got, other than a couple of outliers, we've actually got a relatively easy run-in, which means that in the recent past we played some tough fixtures. And we've gone into those tough fixtures uh, with a couple of injury problems, with our main man in a dip of form, which, you know, if you're scoring that many goals, has to happen at some point. Um, And further to that, uh, yeah, we've had some suspension problems as well. And, and, you know, given our lack of depth, how can you really keep that overachievement? up for 38 games or whatever the season holds. So I, I think mm. given who we are, I think that dip in form was inevitable at some point and it came at a point where people, where we happened to be safe and so it's easy to join the dots and say, oh, Fulham have lost their way and they don't have anything to play for. I don't really believe that to be true. And if that was the case, how do we magically turn our turn ourselves around and get up for Man U. So it, it, it's, it's there. To your second part of the question, um, sure, it, it, it's always difficult to take on a, someone with an underdog mentality and scrapping for their Premier League life. But in the end, man for man, team for team, quality does out. And I think mm. we we do actually, you know, around all of the positions, I think we do prevail over most of those teams in the genuinely in the bottom half of the table. And I'd back us against that. Obviously, Mitro missing is not just a goal scoring function. He, he's he's very very strong for us around the ga- ground. He's got the aggression which we all know about and love, and that helps the team on the, on the pitch as well. Um, I'm, I'm less worried about William missing. I, I'm perfectly happy for Mana Solomon to come in and do his wizardry. So I, I think, yeah, it'll be difficult. But it, I think when teams are in a scrap for their life, they they can tend to be a bit desperate and a bit reckless and 
possibly play on the counter when they they haven't scored in the second half of the game. They're getting desperate, and and the game just opens up even more. And if you hold hold your nerve, it actually creates more opportunities for a team like Fulham, who can take a sort of a more mature, come catch us type of attitude. Point of point of um, uh, contention or the discussion, at least. I'm not actually sure if we've actually had a drop in form as as it was articulated. Because look, um, played Arsenal, elite level squad, definitely going to win the Premiership in my mind, at least. Brentford, I would say our equal, very good squad. Absolutely no shame in losing to them, especially in like a three-two. And then Man U, we took them for a solid 75 minutes. Like, And even when we lost to um, two players, three, if you count Marco Silva, like, we still looked incredibly strong. Like, uh, And we actually, I mean, they could have, they could have eaten us alive. And if that, if that was a, a West Ham, for example, that would have been 6-7-0 in the space of like 10 minutes. Um, I'm not actually sure if we have had a drop in form. We've just had a bit of a tough run of fixtures. Is that is that unfair to say? I, I'm looking I, back I way beyond those six games. Um, yeah, no, because, fair enough. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think um, there have been concerns about us actually nicking dirty dirty wins, uh, which we're all very very happy to pull off. You know, when we're not playing that well by great individual efforts and so forth but i think i think there's a i think there's a fairly well um, yeah I, th- I think there's a consensus that in the last maybe 10 games we haven't really been playing that well no that's fair i uh, i think basically from from the world cup onwards we we haven't been as good as we were in the first half of the season the the positive is we've picked up points and we're still getting results but there's a worry that when a a big uh, you know interruption in terms of losing Mitro losing Silver losing Willian like like dad said not as big an issue for me personally but um, I feel like you know the Man United game we really looked as if we were about to come out of our little sort of funk call it Um, and I'm slightly worried that maybe we were we were out of it, and then all of a sudden, because of what happened, we're going to get pulled back into it. So, uh, I'm personally looking for a really positive um, performance here. Look, if we don't pick up all three points, uh, I completely understand because the team's gone through a lot. It's going to be a, a couple of changes to the starting eleven, I expect. Um, but I, it's all about the way we actually play, and if we don't get a result, but we play. Um, exciting attacking football like we have done previously and we look like that Fulham from the start of the season, I'll, I'll personally be happy. Um, and I think a result will come off the back of that anyway. Um, okay. Let's, let's move Jack? on. And, yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah. I think it's actually a really interesting point. I'm fascinated to see how this actually plays out, that when something like this happens to a team in a club, it can go one of a couple of different ways. You know, you can... Circle the wagons, as so many people have talked about. Really dig in and go, right, it's us against the world. Let's channel this. Let, we've got something to play for. Have a big banner up in the change rooms and have an incredible 
point of focus and motivation for doing really well and channeling that in a really positive way and make us almost un unplayable because of our will and our desire to prevail because we believe we've kind of been unfairly dealt with. Or it can go the other way where in, in trying to achieve that, you actually overcook it and you become this bitter, negative little chip on your shoulder team that actually boil over frequently um, because you continue to believe that you're hard done by and it doesn't take much to spark a problem. And I really hope that that's not where we end up and we end up in the former um, like many a great manager has actually rallied his troops to 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 be yeah i i fair point i i think like i said this is going to be a really interesting game to see how fulham come out of the traps after this and as we sort of discussed earlier i'm just so glad we're not in that relegation scrap because i think mm. if we were down if we had you know 10 15 points less than we currently do um, and something like that happens where you lose your talisman who scored, you know, 50% of your goals for the season or whatever the actual stat is. I think that has a huge effect on everything. And when I, I think that the nerves aren't going to be there, which is probably going to work in our favor. I think when there are nerves around a relegation battle and then that happens, things can fall apart very, very quickly. But the fact that we are fairly comfortable, I'd say it actually kind of works in our favour because we, we're playing without pressure. These guys know that they can lose some of these games and it's not going to have too much of a negative impact. We need to realistically pick up one more point from our next 11 games to guarantee safety. And if we finish 11th, it's still a great season. Um, so there is a lot of pressure taken off the shoulders of the players who are going to be out there playing. And so I think that that massively works in our favour. And, and I hope that freedom actually helps players like Vinicius, who, you know, will always be feeling pressure when he plays because he's not Mitro. But now he's going out there knowing I'm getting an extended run of games. I'm, um, you know, if I don't score for two or three games in a row, I'm not going to get dropped because... He's a lock-in. I can't He's an absolute dropped. lock. Yeah. It, exactly. But <laughs> when, He's having when the you've best got... season when you think about it, hasn't he? It's like just through <laughs> random circumstance. He's like, <laughs> don't even know what like the equivalent is, but you know how like there's just like a character in a movie that's just weirdly lucky for like no reason at all. That's totally Vinicius right now. Oh, he's, he's got yeah. his golden ticket here. Like, like yeah. I said, he, he basically can't get dropped now. Um, mm. And... But that takes all the pressure off him as well because he can go out there and play his natural game. He can try things. He can make mistakes. But he knows that he'll con consistently keep getting chances. And I, I think that's actually a huge positive that we can take forward where, um, you know, Solomon's going to get more starts because Willian's out for – admittedly, it's just a week. But there's there's opportunities that come out of something like this. And it's an opportunity for someone like – um, Louis Beaumorte on the sideline as well to get a bit more experience under his belt of managing a game from start to finish. I think we saw when after Silva got sent off at Man United, we didn't make any subs till the 86th minute when Boa just chucked on five players or, or four players all at once. And that's what you do when you're just sort of panicking because just, you know, the, the whole plan's gone out the window. I'm kind of excited to see how 
how we go without Mitro and without Silver because, I mean, it's possible that, um, you know, this time next year we don't have Mitro. And, you know, with, with Silver performing the way he's performing as a manager at the moment, there's also a possibility that he gets picked off by a really uh, a top six club, not just in England, but around the rest of Europe as well. So it is a, almost a bit of a test to see if we can do it without those two because all the focus goes into those two as our, our two leaders and our two talisman. And, and I'm interested to see how we handle it without them. I know we struggled without Mitro this season, but now that we've got a bit more time to to play and adapt, I think um, it, it could be really interesting to see how we deal with that. Dad, you had a point? Yeah, it's a question, actually, that maybe you could clarify yeah. for myself and maybe others. What is the ruling for a suspended manager in terms of communication with a dugout? I mean, I know in things like cricket, if you're suspended, you can't be anywhere. You can't have two-way radios and headsets and mobile phones communicating. But I remember when Silver was suspended in the that FA Cup round, he was at the back of the stand next in the press box, uh, clearly with an earpiece in, talking to Beaumorte. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're still allowed to be in contact. It's it's quite an interesting one. I know, like you said, in cricket, for example, um, if you are in the rooms or on the bench in cricket, you're actually not allowed a mobile phone full stop. There's no external communication, and that's actually to do with basically so illegal betting force, and corruption. Like, what do you do? <clears throat> no, you're, just, you're not allowed to make contact with anyone. You have to, if you want to send a message out to someone, you, you run over to them and tell them. But the whole point is they cut communication so that you're unable to pass information to outside sources. That's that's the idea behind it, to stop corruption. In football, I think Silver can sit at the back of the Riverside stand when, when we're playing at home with a headpiece on and talk to Boa throughout the whole game. Um, he's not allowed. It's a touchline ban at the end of the day. Like, it's not a, so, you're banned from all football. It's pretty um, soft. So you're not allowed to be... So, Kind of. He's yeah. literally he's literally in the naughty corner then, but he can still yell at his other classmates. That's he, how I he can, he can sit at he can sit at home and I, I think I've heard of managers doing this before. He can sit in his lounge room um with with his phone out basically and be on a two way call with Boa throughout the whole game, telling him Sounds what he thinks. Like nice I, I think realistically <laughs> realistically that's not going to happen. I think Silver will They'll work together during the week and they'll come up with a game plan and then Silver will hand it over to Boa and Boa makes the decisions during the game. They might you know have a brief conversation at halftime. Yeah, they, they'll probably have a brief conversation at halftime, but we know what substitutions get made. Like, we know uh, that... Tell me, Jack. Wilson and Dan James are going to come on on the wings and Kearney might come on for for Reed at some point. Like, it's it's not it's not rocket science, this Fulham team. I am genuinely... Yeah, Jack, yeah, yeah, no, you go, Dad. Is he is he allowed in the rooms at halftime before the match? I don't think so. I, I think you're basically banned from interacting because otherwise, then what's what's the point? Except by a mobile phone. I know, I know, <laughs> well, no, I, I know, I know this. I know this. What isn't what happens? But I just love the idea of just like the manager's box and just a phone with FaceTime on it with Silver's face. And then that's just exactly all, what's going to happen. All, all like the camera shots are still exactly the same, and they're just zooming in on like the FaceTime. Of but all they need there. to do, we all know, we see Boa sitting on the sideline with his 
with his iPad set up every week. All they need to do is turn the iPad around and have Marco on FaceTime, and he can yeah. just shout from the sideline. Um, oh, but no, I, I, I genuinely think we're going to see Boa take control. Um, like I said, they will work out a plan during the week. The only thing you need to really do on the day, and, and at the same time as well, Silva has a team of staff behind him at all times. And you see during the game, he's constantly talking with his assistant managers, all the coaches, and they're giving him their point of view and advice. All, all that's missing is Silver on the sideline during the game and what he picks up while he's watching it. Um, we're going to play the same system. We're going to play in the same fashion. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a huge change. Uh, and I'm actually kind of excited for Boa to take charge. I'd like to see him wearing a suit as well, I think. That would be quite nice. <laughs> he's always in that track suit. It is. A, it is actually. I mean, like the, in, in any context yeah. as well. The mark of a good manager is if you. Can, I was about to swear. Is is if you can leave, um, and like literally the whole system just runs exactly as it was before, and basically taking out that one person is actually the mark of a good manager. And I'm actually, I'm you actually know, quite, I'm quite faithful that he is that. I feel that people know what he's like and what he needs, and yeah. You you could argue that he gets an absolute cracking bird's eye view while mm. taking in a few sites of London as well, from the back of the riverside, he might come up with some new perspectives uh, as the game unfolds. I'm just picturing Silver in, like, yeah. having, like, a foot bath or something like that, just, like, watching the game <laughs> with, like, some, like, what are those things that go between, like, your toes and such? Like, just, yeah. just doing you know that what? maybe with, like, what a cigar. What I really hope, what I really hope is that Silver actually just gets on the piss, sits at the back of the stand, <laughs> yeah. gets absolutely smashed, yeah. Really enjoys a game. Hopefully, we get a just win. Pulls for a him. Maradona. I want to see pulls a Maradona at the World Cup. Kind of. <laughs> I, I want to see us score and Silver just going full limbs in the stands, hugging other supporters. Um, I, I would. I'd love that. It's not going to happen, but I would absolutely love yeah, that. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be a really would, good way to to celebrate to see your Marco band. Silva. <laughs> to see Marco Silva just cracking onto birds like Maradona did at the World Cup would actually be amazing. I wouldn't care if we lost five 0 if I got to see that. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't go that far. I think Maradona yeah. had a few other substances in his system at the time. Yeah, as well, I, I, did, wasn't that the moment where he got his officials to crowd him so he could do his business? I don't. I like he, he only Maradona only drinks Pepsi. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. okay. <coughs> PG, PG well, okay, gamble, some, gamble, gamble, gamble responsibly. responsibly. <laughs> Pepsi responsibly. Oh, um, gamble responsibly. Right. Let's have a look at the potential Fulham lineup. Um, I'll start in goal. Go move forward through the team. I think again we're going to see a pretty. Um, Standard back five from Fulham. I don't think we've got any fresh injury concerns. Um, I'm expecting Leno in goal, Tete, Diop, Reem, and Robinson across the back four. Um, I assume we're going to see Polina and Reed both start in the middle with Pereira sitting in front of them. I'm expecting on the left we'll see Solomon starting and Decadova Reed starting on the right. And I would have thought we'll see Vinicius starting up front. Guys, I'll hand to Sam first. Sam, we, we saw a couple of bits of experimentation from Fulham previously where we tried Decadova Reed up front. Um, do you think we're going to stick with Vinicius this time around after that previously failed experiment? Or do you think that Silva potentially has other plans in mind? 
I think we will stick with Vinicius up front. I actually really like what Vinicius does in um, these kind of off games. I mean, Chelsea is the most obvious example, but like Vinicius at the start of the season, Vinicius now for me are genuinely two completely different players. Can't remember what game it was really recently. Oh, it was yeah, there's the Brentford game where he he scored a goal and was just ridiculously happy with himself, even though it was like. 3-1 at the time and yeah it was a bit it was a bit poorly timed that celebration but I I I, I like I like who Vinicius is now I mean um in terms of like confidence building and that I I think he's kind of about as confident as he's ever really going to be but I yeah I, I like what he adds in uh, in terms of like the squad depth I think he can I mean, he's literally just going to play as far forward as physically possible and kind of try to poach as much as he can and hopefully get, like, some decent service. Can't really expect more from him than that. But, um, yeah, Solomon, goal scoring. Polina, goal scoring. If he doesn't score, it's not the end of the world. There's plenty of options there. So I, I, I genuinely don't think that this is the end of the world at all. Obviously, we're better with Mitrovic, but no. Nah. Bring on the Vinicius era. He deserves it in a weird way. Um, Dad, I'll ask you sort of the same question, but also um, do you think there are any other potential changes we're going to see to the lineup? I liked it when you named the back four and you said, I don't think we've got any other, and then said injuries. I thought you were going to say, I don't think we've got any other players. <laughs> I don't um, think we have any other Tosins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I'd be I'd be very surprised if this was not the lineup uh, that we go out with. I don't think um, there's any chance that Bobby Decadova Reed is going to end up as striker for this game, and mm. I think Harrison Reed keeps his position over over Lukic, which is probably the only other contentious. Um, selection. Mm. Yeah, look, I, sure I think... Guys... Yeah. <clears throat> Go on, Sammy. Oh, I'm not sure if you guys saw, but um, Lukic uh, set up an assist for Serbia, uh, I think against mm. uh, Montenegro. Uh, I could be wrong there. But no, looks really good. I, I mean, I'm still very much on board, on board with um, Sasa Lukic. Uh, I think he just... I think he just hasn't really found where he fits in, like, the squad, yeah. But I don't also think he's had really the opportunity to do that fully. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I, I'm a big fan of Lukic. I think he played really well in the international break as well, and I think that's always obviously a good sign of a decent player, the fact that you can come in with players you don't play with week in, week out, and still perform really well shows your quality. I think one thing to consider here is we've been through a bit of strife recently, trying to find the most balanced lineup and put out a team that know each other really well and play together regularly is going to be incredibly important. So if we if we play this team that I that I've put forward as a potential lineup, the only changes really to the team that's played the majority of the season are Vinicius in for Mitro and Solomon in for Willian. Because we saw Willian and Deckard over Reed play pretty much all season together. Um so we're basically playing with our most stable 11 at this point, but only replacing players who we have to replace. Solomon for Willian, Vinicius for Mitro. I, I think stability now is important, and I, I see that 
being the way forward for for Fulham in this game at least. Um, and then potentially going forward, we can look at making a couple of other changes as well to try and try Lukic maybe instead of Reed and rotate players towards the end of the season. But I can't imagine there's going to be a huge number of changes going forward. Um, let's take a quick look at the Bournemouth lineup. Um, I mean, just by looking at this quickly, there's not a huge amount of quality. And it sounds harsh to say that, but you can understand why Bournemouth are sitting in the relegation zone at the moment. Their, their best players by far, um, Dominic Solanke up front, we know from experience in the Championship and in the Premier League as well that he can score goals. And Jefferson Lerma in midfield as well as a, a bit of a handful. Billing is a handful. Um, across the back, I'm not overly impressed with them. Um, and, and I guess they've conceded a lot of goals this season and that's that's a big reason as to why. I don't think they've got the strongest defence. Um, Neto in goal is a decent keeper. He's someone that Fulham actually almost picked up a couple of years ago. And I mean, really, I'm glad we didn't because the players we've had since in Ariola and Leno as our Premier League goalkeepers are far, far superior to Neto, who I think has been a little bit dodgy this season in goal. And look, I mean, looking at this team, it is hard to see how we lose. If you put us head to head against them, I think man for man, we're a better side across the board. Solanke is probably the only player who beats out Vinicius. I think that's fair, to be honest. Um, mm. Apart from that, though, it's it's not a very strong Bournemouth side, but I, I believe that the fight that they're going to have in a, in trying to stay in the Premier League is is going to make this a tough game for us. Um, they're not a light touch by any means, so I think we we should be expecting um, a bit of a fight, um, and, and I wouldn't expect it any other way at this point in the season with ten games left. It's it really is squeaky bum time now, um, so it's it's one of those times when you have to be a little bit careful about teams like this where you can potentially underestimate them, but um, they come out flying. And we've seen Fulham do struggle sometimes when teams come out flying against them. Um, we we saw it in the Brighton game especially. Obviously, there's a lot more class in that Brighton side. But when they came and, oh, you know, just came at us for that first 10, 15 minutes, they, they completely destroyed us. And we do need to be a little bit wary of that because these teams will be running for their lives at this point of the season. Um, do you guys have any other comments to make on this Bournemouth side? I know it's probably not a side that's been covered a huge amount in the media, and so it's not a side we, we know a huge amount about, but was there any other comments you'd want to make? Look, only to reiterate that clearly Solanke and Billing, they're, they're, they're good players, and they, they scored goals against some pretty good opposition in very recent weeks. Add to that, they're in a scrap for their lives, as you say, but I, I think it's a lot different to the comparison with what the top three or four teams have done to us in shutting us down very, very systematically, and even Brighton, what they did to us, because I think that is quality. I mean, even the weakest, technically weakest teams can press you hard, but they always seem to create opportunities or run out of legs when they do that. And I think um, it it sort of doesn't work very well over 90 minutes when a a lower team, a technically lower team, or quality-wise lower team, tries that on, it, it it's very difficult to sustain it. So I, look, I think, um, I think I find it hard to, I know we're going to come and talk about that, but I find it hard to see these guys keeping a clean sheet. Can they score a goal? Yeah, possibly. 
Sammy, anything to add? Uh, if, uh, for me, it's what it's it's like when you don't know literally any of their players. I I feel that that is kind of the mark of a side, especially like a Premier League side, because there is so much um, waxing lyrical of just various teams, and every single um, platform needs coverage. I don't really know that much about any of these guys. I mean, Billing and Solanke, I literally more know from like the championship, really just because like they've they've scored goals, but like they've been pretty quiet this year. I. Uh, do you know, honestly, after Scott Parker, I because I used to really dislike Bournemouth literally just because of Scott Parker, and now that he's gone, I just don't really think of them at all. <laughs> like I, I, I think I think about Diet Fanta more than I think about Bournemouth. Sorry, Bournemouth fans. Sorry, Diet Fanta as well. Um, yeah. uh, I look, agree with Steve Reynolds, who's following along live, put a little comment up, just basically saying it really depends on which Bournemouth side are going to turn up. Uh, I think that's a fair comment. Um, they've been pretty Ooh. hot and cold this season. Um, my my only worry is the the relegation battle is just going to give them a little bit more impetus going into this game and and might be a bit of a worry for us. And it's something we just have to be aware of. I don't think they've got quality that's going to really cause us too many issues. But I think their fight, because they have to fight, is what's going to cause us the issues going forward in this game. Um, let's move forward. Have a bit of a look at my top tip. Um, Jack's it's a top Jack's top tip. I need a little jingle for that. Um, I want to get, get on jingles that. for all of them. I'll see if get I can get on it. You're the music chin. producer here. Um, <laughs> uh, I've gone for a three leg same game multi. Um, Fulham paying two dollars fifty, I think, for the win in this game. And I think Bournemouth paying two seventy five. It's Stranger lods the fact that we're basically at the same level. Um, they're basically saying it's too tight to call, which for a team sitting in ninth and a team sitting 19th seems a bit nuts for me, but that's the way the bookies work. Fulham to win is paying, yeah, 270 or 260. Giappolini, anytime goal scorer, paying $10.50, I believe. Um, I think we've seen him score goals this year. I think. From corners now and set pieces, Giappolini is the man we're going to be aiming for. We know how good he is in the air. We've seen him score a couple of headers this season already. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on the end of a corner against a Bournemouth team. We don't have a huge amount of height at the back. So I'm backing Giappolini for a goal. And I'm thinking over two and a half goals. I think we are going to score a couple in this game. But I also think Bournemouth are going to try and score as well. And I, I reckon it's going to be a 2-1 win to Fulham maybe a 3-1 win. So I think there's going to be goals in this one. Uh, that multi is paying almost $20, meaning uh, a $10 bet there will win you $200. Um, Steve Reynolds, um, <laughs> with our little catchphrase for the show here as well, I'm down €100 Euros following Jack, bet responsibly. As we always say, gamble responsibly. Um, <laughs> Steve, Steve, you're flying us, flying us out to Spain if that one comes in as well, just quietly, because... Uh, that's going to net you 2,000 euros. So it's more than enough for our flights. Um, look, I, I, it's it's an interesting one. And again, I think Fulham are incredibly undervalued in the markets at the moment. I think um, potentially because of the Metro stuff that's happened, potentially just because, you know, our XG um, 
is not as high as other teams are. And there was that really great video that I'm sure a lot of people saw on Twitter from, I think it was originated from TIFO, um, a bit of an analysis of um, why Fulham have performed so well this year. Um, and it does go into the fact that we are way outperforming our expected goals scored and um, we're conceding far less than we're expected to concede. So um, maybe the markets are reflecting that and saying we should be getting worse results than we are and it's got to come crashing down at some point. But um, all that says to me is that there's value. There's a lot of value floating around and I think it's something that can be exploited. If, you, if you're into your gambling and having a little bet, I think it's definitely worth a, a little punt on something similar to this. Not necessarily this exactly, but um, e- even if you want a, a cheeky little one on Fulham to win, I think at $2.50, that's crazy odds. I think Fulham realistically should be you know, closer to the sort of dollar eighty mark for this game, so you're getting almost an extra dollar's value out of it, which yeah, just seems a bit nuts. Um, Dad, thoughts on the little multi there? Um, yeah, uh, I, I think it's surprising that uh, the the odds of Fulham or Bournemouth winning us even remotely similar. Seriously, mm. um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, I, I'm more concerned about uh, Steve Reynolds being 100 euros out of pocket, having followed some of your tips, Jack. As we said, gamble responsibly. This show is not liable for any losses, as well. Just uh, FYI, <laughs> please. I need to consult the lawyers very soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I. How about? Uh, how, how about Bobby Decadero Reed to score outside from outside the area? I refuse yeah, to believe that, that Lightning. Was, hey? I refuse to believe that Lightning will strike twice. As <laughs> as lovely as it would be, as lovely as it would be, I, I my brain can't my brain can't really fathom that. Look, I think I think you know Bobby. It's not the first time he scored a ripper volley for Jamaica as well. Bobby can score goals. He was one of our best goal oh, scorers um, last time we were in the Premier League. I think. He, he's not a bad bet, and actually his odds as well were, were surprisingly high. I think Vinicius as an anytime goal scorer was paying about $4. Uh, everyone else on top of that was paying 6 to $10. So there's there's definitely value around, and you can you can definitely make a couple of little interesting bets there. Um, look, that's about all we've got, but we did just have a question come in here from Steve. So um, I'll pose this to all of you, seeing as we are playing one of our first relegation rivals, well, not relegation rivals, thank God I'm not saying that this season, um, but one of the teams in a relegation scrap, Steve Reynolds asks, which three teams do you think will go down and which three teams would you like to see go down? Um, Sammy, I'll start with you. Which three teams are going to go down? And I've just pulled up the table here for for us as well just to make life a little bit easier. Hmm. You know, you know what? I, I, I think Nottingham Forest will actually go down. Um, Ever- Everton and Leeds are kind of always going to be teasing that, but I don't think that they will. Um, I think Wolves are safe. I think Palace are safe. Um, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be Southampton. Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. I can I can see West Ham wriggling their way out of there. Dad, same to you. Mm. Yeah, I think Southampton seem riveted to the bottom for me. 
Um, you, 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 you can't do it with one player, however good. Mm. Um, I think Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth are in trouble as well. And then um, uh, maybe West Ham, maybe West Ham. Um, and on top of that, I'd be pretty happy to see West Ham go, actually. Um, I agree. I think Southampton have got a massive task on their hands to get out there. I think West Ham, they do have more games in hand than those other sides as well, so it's hard to say. I, I think they'll probably nip out of that bottom half. Um, I actually think I think Bournemouth will go down as well. I think um, we're probably going to see potentially Leeds going down too. I... I don't hugely rate them. I think it's going to be between Leeds and Forest for that last spot. Forest mm, just concede way too many goals. Um, but I think they have some individual quality in that team that might see them stay up. Um, I think Leeds are going to be in struggle town, though. I, I don't think they score enough goals. Um, and I don't hugely rate their keeper. I think he's... I, I know he's actually shouted out about as, as how great a keeper is. I just don't think he is... Um, so it'll be really interesting. It's just going to be such an interesting end to the season. I mean, the potential for you could easily see like Everton, Leicester, and West Ham go down. There's some serious players across those three squads. There's going to be some real talent up for grabs at the end of this season. Um, and, and I think it's something that Fulham need to look to exploit. You've got blokes like James Ward Prowse, Ben Rama, um, Paqueta at West Ham. At Leicester, you got Jamie Vardy. Imagine having Vardy as an impact sub for us next season. Um, oh, Everton, Calvert-Lewin. You know, there's there's some real talent floating around in those teams, and I think mm. the fact that we're staying up gives us a huge opportunity to actually raid them at the end of the season. Um, oh, I'd love to pick up and Jamie so Prowse from South. I, I'd actually love to see some of those teams um, who have really good squads go down purely for. The fact that you know they'll they'll definitely bounce straight back up again, um, but they're good teams. Like uh, if we didn't have to play West Ham, Leicester, and Everton next season, and in place of them we got Sunderland, um, Burnley, and Sheffield United, that wouldn't bother me hugely. Uh, I'd actually mm. think we're taking a couple of hard games off our plate through the season and potentially picking up five wins out of those six games when some weeks you'd maybe only pick up two wins. So mm. there's there's opportunities there. And I, I, like I said at the very start, I'm just glad we're not part of this battle because it, it's horrible. Um, and it's going to go down to the wire. It's going to be an incredible last day of the season. And it might even be one of those last days where, um, you know, Fulham obviously playing Man United on the last day of the season. But I think a lot of us are going to have our eyes elsewhere during that fixture just because of, how much is at stake across the rest of the league? It's um, yeah, it's really lining up to be a, a doozy, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, we'll guys, be uh, we'll we be smashing. Probably... Go on, sorry. We'll be smashing. We'll be smashing Man United on the last day of the season, won't we? We'll be yeah, celebrating that. The best thing about the it redemption is, arc. Um, from from memory, all the games kick off a little bit earlier. It's I think like a two p.m. kickoff, so it's a nice nine p.m. kickoff for here over in Perth, which would be beautiful. So I'm looking forward to that more than anything. Um, uh, look, like I said, we'll we'll probably wrap it up here, guys. I think we've had a good chat about this Bournemouth game. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's great to come back after an international break, but more so it's going to be really interesting to see how Fulham bounce back after what happened in the Man United game. Um, 
oh, Steve's just let us know it's a 4 p.m. kickoff in England, so it's not quite as nice as I thought. That's a shame. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, one thing to, to mention as well, we've had a bit of a rebrand. Um, you know, when we started this podcast, it, it kind of came out of thin air and um, we threw together a That's So Craven logo very quickly. It was using the um, incredibly well-photoshopped font from That's So Raven, the TV show, which is obviously where we got our name from where I just added a C on the front. Um you did? But I've never heard spent of Spent a bit of time. <laughs> what? I spent a bit of time during the international break to actually put together a bit more of a flashy logo, um, just a, a bit more sleek, stylish, using the cottage there. And, um, yeah, hope, hopefully people like it and um, it starts to become a bit more of a brand for us. So, um, yeah, give us your feedback on the new logo. Hope you all like it and... Uh, Hope it, it it resonates when you see the cottage now inside our shield. Um, so, guys, looking forward to this game on the weekend. Looking forward to watching it with with you, probably Dad. Hopefully, and uh, texting along with you, Sammy, as well. Got many plans for Saturday night. Hopefully, not. I actually do have um, quite heavy plans oh. for Saturday night. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> I can. I'm sure I can dip away. Benson's coming back to town, so I got. I got, I got to go relatively hard, but. <laughs> <laughs> but segue, segue, because um, in in the interim of when you uh, mentioned for me to come out with a jingle, my autism kicked in and I have actually hooked up my auto-tune pedal. So shall we try to see if we can come up with a jingle for Jack's top bets? Now, Dad or Jack, now just give me just give me a song that I can work with. To just create, because um, it's just going to be Jack's top tips, but I just need a melody line. So, like, what, 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 are, you, what are you thinking? What just, are you thinking, just make Jack? up a melody. If you, if you can't st- rip off a song, how dare you do something like that? Make up a melody. Jack's top okay. tips. Well, I, th- I, I'm a bit worried that it's going to sound like um, Bob J T Mark, but here we go. <laughs> That's fine with me too. <laughs> it's time for Jack's Jr. top tips. <laughs> It's a bit more minor than I would have liked, but I'll take it. I mean, I can yeah. I can try and switch to major, but if that's if that's if the chat agrees, can you that's what can we're you um with. can you can you work in a key change as well? I mean, I think that'd be good. Oh, I can wait. Okay, wait. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just bear with me, so we can go. <laughs> it's time for Jack's top tips. <laughs> I hate it. You guys, so you much. guys ask and I deliver, <laughs> and it's yeah. There was some real stunned silence there. Um, isn't it, isn't um, it amazing? Let's... Isn't it amazing that literally you just said come up with a jingle, and then I just immediately went okay. <laughs> that's that's, let's, that's let's why work you on had that. me on. <laughs> I think this is this is one of those things you take offline. <laughs> so anyway, Sammy, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. It's good to good to be back talking Fulham again. Not very happy to be here. It's 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 good to come back home. It's good to come back home, and yeah, excited excited for everything going forward. And I'm just glad that we don't have to talk about Mitrovic and Marco Silva in that depth that we used to before. It's all positive oh, now. We it's will positive. We will. Oh, let me dream. <laughs> let me dream. And Dad, thank mm-hmm. you for joining us. Yep, it's uh, a pleasure. I enjoyed it. So, until next time. Come on, you whites.